Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co. I don't really have a particular place uh, outside of the New Testament that we're really going to uh, uh, camp in particular today. We're going to continue in our series called Carrying the Kingdom. And uh, today's uh, title is Citizens of Heaven. Um, Last week we just kind of talked about, you know, who we were, that we were sealed in the Holy Spirit, sealed by the Holy Spirit. And, and that brought us into the kingdom of God. We also talked about how Jesus and why he came, how Jesus said about himself and why he came was that he came to preach the gospel or the good news of the kingdom of heaven. And, and from the day that he came out of the wilderness, he began to do that very thing. Then he commissioned the, the apostles, the, the 12 and the 70, to go do the same. And when he said it, he said, I want you to go heal the sick. I want you to cast out demons. I want you to raise the dead and preach that the kingdom of heaven has come. And so there's this moving into the kingdom of God. In recent weeks, we also talked about how that the old man, when we got saved, is that was pretty good. Let's do it again. The old man, when you got saved, is? <laughs> so it's dead, right? We good with that? All right. So we became alive to God, and then we began to live in the kingdom of heaven. We also learned last week that there's a judgment for the church. Not only is there a judgment of whether you're going to know Jesus, and whether you've received him and received his sacrifice for your sin, but also that there's going to be a judgment on the church based on what you were given, how God created you, what his expectation for you was, the things, the talents, the gifts, the the measure of faith, everything that he's given you, you're going to have to give an account for those things. How well you advance the kingdom. You know, one of the things, when I was early on in Christianity, when I first came to the Lord, I was 28 years old, one of the things that I wanted to make sure I did was bring other people with me. You know, that might have been one of the driving forces to get in ministry, but it it wasn't about ministry. It was I didn't want to go to heaven and watch all my buddies go to hell. I just couldn't sit back and do nothing. When I came to a conclusion that God was real, that it wasn't just my parents' God, and it wasn't just a far-off God watching me from a distance, but he was actually concerned with me and my everyday life. He loved me in a measure that I had never experienced before, and I wanted other people to experience the same thing. And so, you know, without knowing or really being educated enough to know that I would be judged by how well I did those things, I was motivated by that. I think that's a natural thing for those who are filled with the Spirit. They want other people to experience the goodness of God. Would you agree with that? And so, and so we're going to be judged by that and how well we do it. 
So today I wanted to just talk about becoming citizens of the kingdom because it kind of it kind of fits in, it molds in to everything we're talking about. When, when you received Jesus' payment for your sacrifice of sin, when your old man was dead, 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 and you became alive to God, your spirit was came alive to God, and hopefully you get filled with the Holy Spirit, that you surrender every area of your life to the work of the Spirit in your life. Uh, as you do that, you, you can only do that if you're a citizen. And so you come into relationship with Jesus, and when you do that, you enter into the kingdom, and when you enter into the kingdom of God as a child of God, as a son of God, you become a citizen of God. Amen? Amen? Amen. So say, say that to somebody beside you. I'm a citizen. All right, I'm, you're going to take that home today. Say, I'm a citizen of the kingdom. You're a citizen of the kingdom. And don't you forget it. <laughs> Isn't that good? You're a citizen, a citizen of heaven. Look at what Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 says. This is Paul writing to the church in Philippi, and he says this, For our citizenship, read this with me, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. From the time that we got the gospel message preached to us, that the kingdom of heaven was here, and the command to go preach it, there's this time that's coming where Jesus is going to come restore everything the way he intended it from the very beginning. Hell and all hellish forces will be cast into the lake of fire. We'll never see him again. All the angels and all the influence of, 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 of hell will be gone forever and ever, and Jesus is going to come reestablish things the way he intended. But until then, you are not a citizen of this world if you're born again, you're a citizen of the kingdom. You became a citizen of an eternal kingdom called the kingdom of God. In, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 through 17, if we can read this out loud as well. Let's read it together. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let's read that again. It needs to be underlined. And let the peace of God rule rule in your hearts to which also you are called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. There's this kingdom citizenship that takes place. And there is a response to being in that kingdom. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Let's read it. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6 says this. And Jesus raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And let's read this. Let's read it again together. And he raised us up together 
and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, every time you read Scripture, you've got to look at the tenses to, to let it begin to take root in your heart. It says that he made us, past tense, together, sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This has already been accomplished where Jesus sits at the right hand of God. And so we're sitting together in heavenly places. That's what makes sometimes it hard to understand, especially as a new Christian. You're actually in two places in one time. You actually have the ability to touch heaven. You actually have the ability to hear from heaven, to know heaven. And we're going to talk about that here in just a minute. But what Paul, uh, Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2, he, what he says about this kingdom, the worldly kingdom, is that you're a foreigner, a sojourner, right? That you're an alien in this world. And you're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. You, you, you changed your driver's license, your, your identity, your passport, your visa, whatever it might be, when you became a son or daughter of God, when you received Christ, your citizenship was changed. You no longer aligned yourself or, or allied yourself with the kingdom of darkness, which is in control of this world. He is the prince and the power of the air. He is in control of the world and the worldly things, the things of the world. Right? You no longer identified your citizenship with them. You became aliens and sojourners and foreigners and became a... Uh, a, a uh, a, a citizen and a participant of the kingdom of heaven. That is as huge to you, if you'll get a hold of it, as dead, dead, dead. Because, you know, God is always saying, all right, this is what you were. Now you're alive to this. This is who you used to be. This is your, this is your nation. This is your native place. You've changed your citizenship. And there's a lot of things that happen when you change your citizenship. There's an earthly kingdom, and we're no longer part of that. And then there's a heavenly kingdom that we become part of. Now, here's the important thing you need to know about your citizenship. The kingdom, which where you live, affects how you live. If you still identify yourself with the kingdom of this world, it will affect how you live life on this earth. And if you identify yourself as a, as, as a kingdom citizen, it will also affect how you live life on this earth. Because there's two different sets of rules and regulations that govern these kingdoms. The one who's in charge of this kingdom is called the father of lies. And it says about this governor, that this prince, this king, that nothing comes out of his mouth except lies. And so, if you identify with that kingdom, you're identifying with a lying kingdom. And that does not, that is never seen ever, ever, ever in the kingdom of heaven. 
There is no lies. It even says about Lucifer that he, God was pleased with him until he saw iniquity in his heart. There was a point in time in heaven where Lucifer was good with God. And he, 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 he rebelled against the king. And so God says that the kingdom that you live in affects the way you live. you got to know that. Because everything that comes against you, you're going to respond like the world or you're going to respond like the kingdom. Whatever kingdom is ruling your life is going to be the source in which you respond to it. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 45, Joe talked about this at the men's breakfast yesterday. By the way, men's breakfast was off the chain. Ed Price and Richard Allen, let's give them a big round of applause. They did an incredible job. If you missed it, hey, hey, if, if you missed it, don't feel guilty. We're going to give you like 250 more chimes to come. We're going to do that. Man, I'm going to tell you right now, we ate good. And anytime you eat good, you're going to draw men. Just look around the room. You can tell they're eating good around, around here. But anyhow, he used this, he used this parable. It's, it's called the pearl of great price. And a man is, finds a treasure in a field. And Jesus says this. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like this. A man finds this treasure in a field. And he goes and sells everything he has so that he can buy that field because that treasure's in it. And that's what it means to be in the kingdom of heaven, to be a son or daughter of God. You no longer live, but it's Christ who lives in you. You become a son or daughter. So you, you give up your right to live as your own king. And you submit yourself to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. You line up with him. And so the kingdom of heaven is like that, that we, we give all that up. Listen to what it says in Ephesians 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has... Say that with me. Who has? Past tense. Yeah? Blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. When you begin to live in the kingdom, every spiritual blessing is yours. The question is, are you living in kingdom or are you living in this kingdom? Are you responding to this kingdom? Or are you responding to that kingdom? How do you get every spiritual blessing in heavenly places? You live your life based on the kingdom principles of heaven. And if you do that, then you're going to receive every spiritual blessing. They are available to you. So there again, there's that earthly kingdom, and then there's that, there's that heavenly kingdom. So as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, you've got to understand that you have rights. 
you have rights here, right? I mean, that's a big deal right now. Who's a citizen, who's not a citizen? I mean, that is a political hot spot. And I've got friends who are, who are, who are struggling in, in this arena because of, you know, all kind of red tape kind of mess. It's, it's a mess. And, it didn't, and we didn't get in this mess quickly, by the way. This doesn't have anything to do with the sermon. We didn't get in this mess quickly. We're not going to get out quickly. And it is a mess, and it's going to hurt people. And if you're really dogmatic, conservative, which I kind of consider myself, and you have a, a, a bad heart, and you're really looking at some of these situations with disdain and judgment, woe to you. a lot of stuff that's going to hurt families. If you were there, you wouldn't want to be. So you better make sure that you're praying that, that there would be grace and mercy and the kingdom of heaven would be able to be established and that there would be healing and health and prosperity and abundance in Jesus' name. There's rights. There's laws. There's a law in Scripture, and there's every time that you read it all over the place, there's this idea. It's called the law of reciprocity. It's all over Scripture, and this is it. This is what it says. If you do this, God says, then I'll do this. If you sow this seed, you'll bear this fruit. And that's good and bad. You reap what you sow, correct? God says if you sow bad seed, you're going to get bad fruit. You sow kingdom seed, you'll get because every spiritual blessing in heavenly places is yours. And you have that seed. you just got to be planting that seed, right? And so there's this kingdom thing that wants to come about, and there are all kinds of kingdom laws, and I certainly couldn't go over all of them. I just wanted to touch one to give you an idea. But as we obey those kingdom laws, those kingdom principles, then we know that we have, it brings God's promises about, it brings the blessing of God, it brings the abundance of God, it brings the provision of God, it brings all those things because you're a citizen of the kingdom. And those promises are for every citizen. Every citizen. There is no one that Jesus said that every spiritual blessing in heavenly places are yours except for so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so, and so-and-so. He says if you're a son or daughter, if you're part of the kingdom, if you're a citizen, these spiritual gifts, blessings, are Yours, And so it comes with laws, it comes with promises, it comes with protection. It comes with angelic protection. As a citizen of the kingdom of Han, you're promised that God is your front guard, your side guard, and your rear guard. 
He is your protector as a citizen of the kingdom. And so it comes with these rights. It comes with provision. That's called grace. God's provision is His Spirit working in your circumstances that does more than you can do on your own. Why does that happen? Because you are a citizen of the kingdom, and you are practicing citizen laws, and you're being protected by citizen rule, and you're reaping the benefits of being a citizen of that kingdom. Am I making sense? You guys tracking with me. Do you see how important it is that you begin to identify yourself as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven? Because whatever citizenship you uh, are comfortable with is how you're going to live your life. So what is then that culture of the kingdom of heaven? There is a, there's, a, there's a culture that comes with it. Um, if you'll look in Scripture, what you'll see is that you'll be able to identify whether you're really living with kingdom ideas or whether you're not based on what you're clothed with. If you're clothed with righteousness and not unrighteousness, if you're clothed with mercy and not an absence of mercy, if you're clothed with love, if you're clothed with patience, if you're clothed with goodness, if you're clothed with kindness, so you're operating in kingdom principles. What you're going to find is those things that are of this world that, that, that Paul writes oftentimes to the church. He says, take these clothes off, put these clothes on. You know, I talk about that a lot. What he's saying is, put the kingdom of heaven on and the attributes and the clothes of the kingdom and take off those worldly clothes. That man is Quit wearing his clothes. You got a dead man's clothes on. In the kingdom of heaven, the first thing you've got to understand, it brings attributes. And you can identify how well you're doing based on the attributes that you're possessing. Whether you're really in kingdom or not. You're walking in it or not. And this one I'm going to kind of park on today. If you want to understand what kingdom culture is, you really have to know that God desires you to live in peace. And whether or not you're living in peace or not will identify to you whether you actually are living in kingdom. Because if you're not living in peace, you're not living in kingdom. God says the peace of Christ rules in our hearts. It is the referee. That word in the Greek means to referee. That Jesus Christ, the, the peace that comes with Jesus, is the referee. It is the one who says, is that world? Is that the kingdom of the world? Or is that the kingdom of heaven? What is the referee? 
the peace is the reformation. How do you know whether you're operating in kingdom, whether you're operating in peace? Blessed are the peacemakers. I mean, it's all over Scripture. It's peace. The peace of God reigns, and we should have a continuous spirit of thanksgiving in our hearts because of the peace of God. If you're not, if you're not walking around filled with thanksgiving because of the peace of God that's operating in your life, you might not be operating in kingdom or living in kingdom as much. I know as much as he desires or as much as is available to you, for sure. And we are to guard ourselves and understand that peace is our guard. It guards our minds and it guards our emotions. Peace. That's interesting, isn't it? Peace is your guard. It guards your, say it with me, it guards my mind and my emotions. Peace guards my mind and my emotions. Let me give you a couple of scriptures. Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. And the peace of God, let's read it out loud, loudly together if we can. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's worth the price of admission right there. It was free, yeah. Let me read that again. I just think it, it, it's worth it. Paul says this to you, that the peace of God, say it with me loudly, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, put my in your, will guard my heart and my mind through Christ Jesus. Peace is your guard. It's your guard. John 14, 27, Jesus says this, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, different kingdom do I give you. But I give you heavenly peace. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You ought to be able to Eat, Psalms 23 says, in front of your enemies in peace. You ought to be able to have lunch with your enemies in peace. Why? Because you're living in kingdom. You're living in kingdom. What's the opposite of peace? Fear. Fear tries to rule over you. And so you don't live in peace. There's, there's a lot of things we fear. We fear the economy. We fear financial issues. We fear failure. We fear success. We fear what other people think. We fear our family and what they think. We fear our friends and what they think. We fear 
what society thinks about Christians. Jesus said this, if you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father in heaven. How can you be ashamed of a God that has done what he's done for us? The only way you could be ashamed of that is to fear what society is going to say about you. And that fear many times guides our decisions on who we marry, what our career is, how we make a financial decision. Our motivation is fear. Scripture tells us that He didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. One worldly principle or one worldly attribute would be, one kingdom attribute which would be worldly would be fear. And the kingdom attribute that would be opposite of that would be a sound mind. It would be love, emotional stability. So we need to understand that peace that comes from Christ should be our guide and not fear of man. Proverbs 29, 25 says this, The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever... Trust in the Lord shall be safe. They shall be safe. So peace should be our guidance in decision-making. Matthew 27, 19. Let's read this together out loud. The Jesus, uh, no, this is, uh, this is Pilate's wife. While he's sitting in the judgment seat about to, Say Barabbas or Jesus? Barabbas or Jesus? This is what she says. She says, while Pilate was sitting in that judgment, his wife sent to him saying, Have nothing to do with that just man, for I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. There is an absence of peace, even with an unbeliever, that peace should have been their guide, and that lack of peace uh, that was there, she responded to, he didn't. But peace should be our, our God. 2 Corinthians 2.12 uh, 2, and 13 says this. For, furthermore, Paul, Paul's writing, When I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened to me by the Lord, I had no rest in my spirit because I did not find Titus my brother. But taking my leave, in other words, because I didn't have peace and because I didn't find my brother in peace, I booked. That's modern day, that's the gospel according to barefoot. <laughs> I got the heck out of there. Peace should help us make decisions. So how do I let the peace of Christ rule in my heart, which is the kingdom, which is, what, if I can get back to it, is the attribute I want you to understand lets you know how well you're walking in the kingdom. Because you remember what Jesus said, let's, re let's really review it real quickly. He said, my peace I give to you, not like the world does. Does the world have peace? Well, it does. He said, not like the world gives, because it, so it has to have some semblance of peace, right? But he says, 
He says, not, I don't give you the kind of peace that the world gives you, which is ineffective, but uh, I give you a kind of peace that doesn't make any sense. In other words, when you are in the worst of circumstances, you can walk in peace. I'm going to, by my grace, bring peace into that so that you can walk in the middle of it in peace so that it cannot touch you because I'm your front guard, your side guard, your rear guard. I've got a hedge of protection around you. Even though it might want to eat you up, you can live in peace. Paul said, to live is Christ, to die is gain. How did he say that? He said it because no matter what happened to him, he was at peace. I have learned to be content in all things when I have lots and when I have nothing. Why? Because he was living in kingdom. He was living in peace. Now listen, don't confuse the American church with Scripture or the American culture. Because it will lie to you. It will deceive you. It will make you think that you can be in this world, living by the principle of this world, and still be in right standing with God. And they are contrary to each other. They are warring against one another. They are two total different philosophies. And Jesus said, even though you're a foreigner and a sojourner and an alien in the United States of America, you have to live there. So while you live there, live a peaceable and quiet life so that the government and the governing body there will bless you. But you don't belong there. You don't live there like everybody else lives there. But we try. We try to look as normal as possible. So how do I live, let the peace of Christ rule in my heart? Well... The peace of God will rule in our hearts when we reject anxieties and ungodly fears. This is the biggest thing that I think that the Lord wants to deal with in our church today. We dealt with it a little bit on Wednesday night, but it's much bigger than you really know. Because the world has creeped into us to such a degree that we can't even recognize the fact that we're not living in kingdom. We're, we're living in worldly kingdom. So how, how are we going to do that? How are we going to have the peace of God rule? Well, we've got to reject anxieties and ungodly fears. Proverbs 4.23. Let's read it and let's read it out loud together. Keep your heart. For out of it spring the issues of life. We, there's this keeping of the heart, making sure that your mindset is focused on kingdom things. So let's make the your my. I need to keep 
my heart with all diligence. For out of my heart spring the issues of life. How, how I'm going to, no, look at the next one. Let's go to the next one, Kevin. Proverbs 25, tw uh, I think it's 25, 25. Uh, Proverbs 12, 25, sorry. Look at this. Look. Now look at our culture, y'all. This is the scripture. This is for kingdom people. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. But a good word. Be anxious for nothing. With all prayer and supplication, give thanks to God. I don't understand why I'm depressed. Well, you're anxious. What are you anxious about? Well, you, you fear the economy. You fear man. You fear society. You fear your family. You're fearing something. But it's not peace. Guard your heart. Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it spring the issues of life. So we have to identify our anxieties and reject them and and anything that would bring about fear, proclaim that we, our old man is dead, dead, dead. I no longer live there. The new man has been brought to life. I live in the kingdom of God. I've been given a measure of faith. I've been given spiritual gifts. I've been given, uh, I've been given all kinds of things in heavenly places. I'm sitting with Christ Jesus in heavenly places. I have the ability to receive from heaven. I've got angelic forces all around me that's going to protect me no matter what you do. You can kill the body, but you can't kill my spirit. That is the attitude in which Scripture tells us to live. And the church in America doesn't want to live that way because it sounds so far-fetched. It's so, it's so out there. But let me tell you something. The older you get, the more fragile and the more short you realize that everything is temporal. It's just temporal. And it doesn't seem that way for us. We hoard stuff and we collect stuff. And we put it around us to, to, to make these comfort zones around ourselves as if we're going to take that with us. And we can't. And we don't. So I've got to reject anxiety and ungodly fears. Number two, I've got to live in an atmosphere of prayer. Now listen, if I want to clear a room in most churches, all I'd have to do is make everybody pray out loud. I mean, we ran off half a church doing that, I think. Just pray out loud. You know, if, I, if, I, if, I, if we go to some kind of event, our church didn't really like this, man. I was so proud of our men, man. We started praying for you women yesterday. It was amazing. It was off the chain. Our guys, it didn't used to be that way, but now it is. Hallelujah. Amen. I mean, we go get it. 
And we're gonna get we're gonna get better. We hadn't arrived. That's you know we we're not close. But if you really want to clear a room, say let's go pray. Let's pray. In the church, I just I you know I, I don't pray. You know I believe that you have a personal relationship. You really shouldn't be sharing it, and you certainly shouldn't be pray, praying out loud. I mean you, you you hear all kind of reasons why we shouldn't be doing what God says do. And if you don't have a prayer life, with all prayer and supplication, you give thanks to God. It is an active prayer life that brings the peace. You cannot have peace if you don't know how to pray, if you don't know how to pursue God, if you don't know how to cry out to God. Now, I don't know what crying out sounds like to you, It's a desperate plea to a God who is your only hope. And you better get in the practice of doing it if you want peace, if you want to live in kingdom. It's a requirement. Not my requirement, the Lord's requirement. So when we are focusing on thinking about prayer and thinking about righteous things, right thinking, then maybe the peace of God will begin to rule. When we practice that right thinking, the peace of God is, is, starts to be laid out in front of us. When we just start doing the things of God, when we walk in peace with the body of Christ, the peace of God will rule. You see so many people that are hurt in church from other churches. Can I just tell you something? Let me help you. Let me help you. Forgive with no requirements. Did they do you wrong? Maybe. I'd say 50-50. But who are you? Whose are you? Who is your protector? Who is your peace? Do you need approval from men? Do you know who you are in Christ? Do you know who he is? Forgive. Get over your offense. Offense comes from the fear of man. And it is opposite of the kingdom of heaven. And then we've got to discern God's will as we go, as we do, by the peace that we have in our life. People say, I, I want to know what God's will in this situation is. Or where, where do you have peace? Where do you have peace? Do you have peace? Do you have peace in that when you're doing that? Even in hard situations, you can get peace. You say, wow, that's, I can't believe that I got peace. I just made this hardest. I thought this decision I was about to make was the hardest decision of my life. And when I made what I thought God said, all of a sudden, I was overcome with the peace of God. Isn't that amazing? Well, I mean, we get worked up. I mean, we oh gosh, I can't believe I got to do this. I got to confront this person, and I, oh, they're just going to flip out. And then I'm going to be crushed, and they're going to be crushed, and it's going to be so bad, and all my friends are going to leave, and it's just going to get rough, 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 rough. And then you say, okay, Lord, if that's what you say to do, I'm going to do it. And you step out and you do it, and, you, and none of that mess happens. Because we're living in kingdom. 
because we're living in peace. Isaiah says, <laughs> let's read it loudly. You will keep him in perfect freedom. Who will? He will. He will keep, that's usually me where him is. He will keep me in perfect peace when my mind is stayed on him because I trust in him. Who's going to give you peace? Who is going to keep perfect peace in your life? He is. How? When your mind is stayed on him. How do you know you're living in kingdom? You've got peace. You're living in perfect peace. Philippians 4.8. Finally, brethren. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on those. You didn't see a negative thing in me. You didn't see not one negative thing. You didn't see a but, but you don't understand, but you just don't know what I've been through, but you don't, da, da, da. you didn't see none of that, did you? You don't. You're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, a child of God, a son or daughter that has rights as a citizen promises of God are yours, the protection of God is yours, the provision of God is yours, every spiritual blessing in heavenly places is yours, the peace of God which absolutely makes no sense when you go through the hell most hellish things in life, can guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus because that's the kind of peace he gives to a citizen heaven. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.